Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Adam Saffer. So, Adam, let's flashback to when you were in college, because I think for our young listeners to get a sense of how your career really unfolded and how you managed to move from having studied mechanical engineering as an undergrad at Cornell into the international development field, it would be interesting for them to get a sense of how one job flowed into the next. So you graduated from Cornell with a mechanical engineering degree. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? Absolutely not. In fact, I wasn't sure I wanted to be an engineer, but because uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do and my father and grandfather were engineers and entrepreneurs, engineering school and in the community and the economy at that time, there was a sort of a shortage of engineers. It was a good, solid bread and butter. If you weren't going to be a doctor or a lawyer, engineering was another profession. Even at Cornell, which was a challenging environment for sure, uh, I wasn't sure I I even wanted to be an engineer, but by the third year, it was kind of too late. So I carried on with the study. So what was your first job? And do you remember how you got it? Oh, sure. I was interviewing like everyone does at the end of school. And I had several job offers as an engineer for companies like Emerson Electric and Air Chemicals and all of the oil and gas people. And then one company came to the school called Schlumberger, which I never heard of. And they do oil well analysis for the oil companies on the rigs. And this was an overseas division. It's a quiet and not very well-known, but exceptionally well-run company. And they were showing slideshows of people in the middle of the desert working on rigs and then on top of derricks in Alaska and stuck in the mud in the Congo and all sorts of unusual situations that attracted my attention and two other friends of mine. And the three of us interviewed and got jobs with this company, which immediately sent me to France for four months of further training. And then my first post was uh, in Nigeria in 1980. 
and you worked in the Gabon, in South Africa, Angola, Scotland, and the U.S. And by the time you left after five years, you were a senior field engineer. Around that point, you were thinking about going back to grad school. Why did you decide to get your MBA and you got your MBA from Harvard? I didn't think I'd get into Harvard. I mean, who does? But I knew I wanted to get another degree, mainly two two main reasons. One is the oil business was starting to uh, go into it, the doldrums and things were happening in the mid 80s in the economy that uh, was slowing down the industry. But more importantly, I was an expert in a very, very narrow field. And the only other company that actually did this kind of work was Halliburton. And Schlumberger was the best in the world and still is the best in the world. So I didn't see a whole lot of career options. Again, going back to keeping as many opportunities open as possible. And my next promotion was going to be to move to Paris and, and be in the sales team. And I didn't want to be in the sales team. I enjoy field work. I enjoy meeting people and working in different languages, etc. So going back to get an MBA was sort of like going back to get back on top of the pile where you have uh, a lot of options, a lot of visibility, and a lot of people will see you. And it's sort of a clean your slate start over again thing. The fact that I got into Harvard was just fortunate, but I would have gone to other schools. You then pivoted into management consulting, and the firm that you joined was focused on waterfront property development. That's a bit of a shift from being out (laughs) in deserts to suddenly... Being, you know, in a company working on waterfront property development, you did that for four years. Why did you move from the desert to waterfront property? Yeah, to the ocean. Well, my career path is not linear. I'm a type of person that approaches opportunities with passion. And if an opportunity comes up that it wasn't planned, but it sounds good, I would do it. I wasn't in that much of a hurry to climb up the ladder and be a corporate executive. You know, I wanted to gain experience. And I think a lot of the young people today really think the same way, that it's all about experience rather than assets or things or stuff. So when I left Schlumberger, I happened to find an opportunity without going into it. And I raced sailboats for the U.S. team for a number of months. And I ended up joining the the team in Spain and sailing in the world championships in Italy and then back to the States and then down to Florida and around Panama to Mexico and then San Francisco, then Hawaii. And then I went to school. So when I finished Harvard, again, I'm interviewing with the management consulting firms. That was a very popular career path then, as was iBanking. And I had no real interest in being an investment banker in New York. But then I happened to see an advert in a professional magazine about an opportunity on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, to be a vice president of a a marina consulting firm. And so I called them up and I was in Boston and we met. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up joining that company and moving to England to start that company in Europe. They were very well established in the States. The owners did not want to move. I was very, very much game to move around the world. And so I moved to England and started up Marina Consult UK Limited and then sold that after a few years, stayed with them as a public company director and then realized this was a great experience, but I couldn't let go of my experience in Africa and with Schlumberger and working in the developing world and working in places where people really 
really needed help and were willing to accept it and just the difference you could make. And so that's when I uh, decided to look into the world of international development. I didn't know anything about it until I started to unbelievably surprising to myself missed being in Africa. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.